Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Friends, and welcome to another episode of the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires, and pleased, as always, to be joined by the head coach of the Moncton Magic. This is Joe Salerno. Good morning, Joe. Hey, good morning, Scott. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, probably got more sleep than you did, considering that uh, you were in Halifax for a road game last night. And I know that uh, the email that I sent out about the podcast, I think you replied at the wee hours of the morning. So I uh, appreciate you uh, getting on board here uh, on a on a morning the uh, day after a game yeah no it's, it's it's no problem at all and yeah we, we got back fairly late last night normally we do after a, a game in halifax but um you don't know that this works out this works out well we uh we have some stuff later this afternoon uh you know film and whatnot in preparation for st john tomorrow so so this time works uh works well for me so let's talk about the game last night you guys as mentioned uh, hit the road took on your uh, division rivals, the Halifax Hurricanes, at the Scotiabank Centre. And, Coach, uh, you guys were looking to turn the tide. Halifax had kind of uh, been controlling the offense, certainly, for the Moncton Magic the last couple of times that you guys met. But a bit of a different story last night, being led by uh, the outside shooting of Corey Allman. 107-95, Magic get the win. Uh, Just some thoughts and takeaways from the team's effort last night. I thought the effort was great. Uh, I, I thought our guys really competed. I think we played with a uh, with a bit of an edge last night. You know, I think on the, the defensive end, you know, we were much more aggressive than we had been in, in previous matchups with uh with Halifax. And, and you know, we had spent quite a bit of time. I don't know if you recall from our last podcast. You know, we talked about how we really needed to look to to kind of change some things up. You know, what we were doing offensively against Halifax, and we spent a lot of time on that over the last week. And and um, you know, I was pretty pleased with it with it last night. So, you know, it, it was nice to to kind of uh, you know open up the scoring a little bit against that team. They've been so tough against us defensively the last three times we've played them. And um, you know, so it was great. It was, it was a great win. It was, it was definitely you know that's a really that's a really tough place to play. You know, especially when when you're playing the top team uh, in the NBL Canada. You know, so to get a, a get a road win, uh, you know, double digit road win down there you know, in Halifax last night was, was really big for us. I think it's great for our confidence too. you know, kind of going into the playoffs. So um, it's a great win, really, really good win for us. Well, you're absolutely right. And, and, you know, sometimes in sports you'll hear coaches, you know, kind of downplay uh, individual games in, in the regular season. And, and, you know, they don't like to put too much stock into it. But to your point, uh, just from a confidence standpoint, as you said, to be able to go into a very tough building to win in late in the regular season and get that kind of win, it can be important, certainly come playoff time, should you meet again and, and you do have to go down to Scotiabank Center. What was the mood of the team like? We'll talk about both ends, but prior to the game, what was the mood of the dressing room? What was your message to the guys before they came out for the opening tip? It was it was it was really good. I think the guys had a, a really solid focus yesterday, kind of going into that game. Um, you know, my assistant coaches, you know, Todd McKillop and Mitch Rowley. I mean, they they said you know they thought it was one of the best warm ups we'd had in in, in a while. Um, so it was it was a good energy. It was it was a pretty focused energy. You know, the message before the game was actually quite a bit different than than most of our games. I, I kept our our pregame 
kind of planning to, to very minimal to, to, to a minimum and, and really tried to simplify things. You know, I, I told the guys, listen, there, there's just, you know, three or four things we really need to focus on tonight. You know, that's, that's playing, uh, you know, more aggressive on the defensive end, really trying to make Halifax uncomfortable. Um, you know, we have to, we have to rebound the ball. You know, we have to be better in transition uh, defensively than what we have been against this team. And then uh, offensively, you know, we really just need to focus on our spacing and ball movement. And, and I told the guys, I don't want you to overthink things. You know, I, I really want you to kind of just go out there with, with a really clear mind and, and just focus on those three or four very, very simple things. And I thought we did that. So it was, it was, um, uh, it was a, a fairly simplified kind of pregame talk, which, which, uh, which seemed to work well for us. So, um, you know, it was good. after the guys just went out and they played last night. They played hard. They played with a desire to win. Uh, you know, that was definitely a win that we wanted to get you know, as far as trying to lock up this two seed in home court in the first round of the playoffs, you know, as well as, as beating the team that, that had beat us the last three times out. So it was, um, it was good, Scott. I mean, it was, it was really, uh, 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 I, I thought it was a, a very good performance, pretty much wire to wire from us. I think if you take away our free throw shooting, you know, I mean, we missed 15 free throws last night, which is, which is pretty uncharacteristic. It, it's happened to us once or twice over the course of the season. Um, but other than that, you know, I was, I was very pleased, you know, with a, with a lot of other facets of the game last night. Well, and you talk about, you know, doing so well wire to wire, really, uh, yeah. you guys did. I mean, the consistency of, you know, just looking at the very base statistics, uh, but if you break it down quarter by quarter, Halifax 29-25 in the first quarter, but then on the scoreboard, you guys won the next three quarters. And without giving away any coaching secrets, because, you know, I, I don't want you to do that, Coach, because I know how competitive things are, but – about a couple of tweaks and a couple of changes that you wanted to make before last night's game offensively, maybe just in a broad scope, what were a couple of those overall changes that you saw that had to be made to make the difference? Because, you know, I think the last few games that you played Halifax with Halifax winning, they kept you to 90 points or fewer in those three losses. So to break out double digit win to get 107 points, whatever you did worked. Other than the obvious big night from uh, Corey Allman shooting, maybe just a couple things about some of the tweaks and changes that that you were able to bring to the team. Yeah, we, we really want to focus on trying to open up the floor more. Uh, you know, Halifax is, is a big physical team, and, and when they make you play in in tight spaces, you know they they can be very difficult. You know, they can very be, be very difficult to score on. So we we really spent a lot of time. Um, you know, really just focusing on, on three dribble reads and, and, and trying to, we call it holding sideline, you know, really trying to have our guys heels on, on the sidelines and then spacing the floor out as much as possible. And, and we really kind of wanted to, to try to just put some of our talented offensive players in a position, you know, to try to break down their individual defender uh, off the dribble and either create for others, you know, or just aggressively look to score. And I, I think that's why Corey had such a big night. He had, you know, he had really good looks at the rim, and, and a lot of that was just due to spacing and, and kind of driving kick basketball, you know. So I think we put guys like Terry and, and, and Marvell Waith and, and Anthony Anderson and these guys in a position to create a little more off the dribble, you know, on an individual basis and, and just try to keep the floor opened up. So, I mean, again, I think that's that was kind of a, some of the, the tweaks that we had made. You know, we also went a little bit bigger, Um you know, we went with Anthony Cox and, and Juan Patillo, uh at the 4-5 for, for pretty good chunks of that game. 
you know, which I really thought helped us on the glass. You know, it, we, it certainly was our best offensive rebound and performance against Halifax in a few games. So just small kind of subtle changes like that, you know, that ended up panning out. And, and of course, the guys still have to go out there and play. You know, Corey has to go out there and make shots, and Terry has to get to the rim. And, you know, to be honest, I thought, I thought Anthony Anderson was great last night. You know, he was, he was one, uh, you know, I think one assist and, and a couple rebounds away from a triple-double. Um, you know, so, you know, overall, a lot of the stuff that we worked on, we, we saw come to fruition a little bit last night. And it, it certainly came out, uh, you know, in a positive way for us. And, you know, you mentioned Corey Allman, but Terry Thomas as well. Those two guys combined out of your starting five, uh, 58 combined points from those two guys. So uh, just about, uh, well, over half of the team scoring. But when you see Corey, who is a shooter and he loves to launch that ball up, and if, you know, sometimes Corey might miss the first couple, but but he'll keep shooting it. To see him go 9 of 14 and to hit those 34 points, you mentioned the warm-up. Did you get a sense last night from the warm-up that Corey might have that big night, or did it just unfold as the game went along? It really just kind of unfolded. I mean, Corey, Corey in warm-ups or, or Corey shooting w- without any defense on him, he, he doesn't miss too often, you know. So, I mean, you kind of always think he's going to have a big night if you watch him shoot in, in warm-ups. Um, you know, he had actually missed a few shots in a row, you know, uh, kind of early in the second half, and they were good looks. And, you know, Corey's a guy who he expects to make, you know, every shot he takes. And, and a lot of great shooters, that's, that's kind of the mentality that they have. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of pulled him over to the side, and I just said to him, I went, hey, man, keep shooting the ball. You know, you're getting good looks. Keep shooting the basketball. And you just try to continue to instill that confidence in him. Um, and he did. So, I mean, it really just kind of unfolded. And, and we've all seen it many times this year. You know, when Corey knocks down, you know, two or three – you know, he may hit the next three or four in a row, and, and that's kind of what it turned into in the second half. So uh, he hit some shots in some big spots, you know, that kind of extended our lead to double digits. Or, you know, if Halifax made a run, Corey maybe knocked down a three to put it back to seven or eight-point lead. So uh, it was big for us. You know, he was solid. But, again, a lot of that was was kind of created by, you know, Terry Thomas and, and uh, Anthony Anderson's penetration last night. So – it was uh, it was a good team effort. A lot of guys did their job. Apart from the obvious, which is a big win for you guys in the standings and a big win against your division rival on the road, for you, Coach, afterwards, talking to the other coaching staff, what was your favorite takeaway from last night? In other words, what was the thing that you saw happen last night that you, know, you said to yourself, that is the main positive that I saw tonight? What was that thing? <clears throat> I, I think we played with, with an edge. I, I think we played you know, an aggressive style of basketball. I think, I think, you know, on both ends of the floor, you know, whether it was, was attacking seams off the dribble, um, you know, and, and drawing two defenders or, you know, pushing the ball a little harder in transition or on the defensive end, you know, I thought we were pretty, pretty aggressive. I think we were pretty physical. I mean, that was my biggest takeaway from the game was, you know, Halifax is such a good team. You know, you have to, you have to play them with that mentality. You have to kind of have that little bit of edge to you you know, to really compete with those guys and give yourself a chance to win. Um, so that, I mean, to me, that was really kind of my, my biggest takeaway, you know, from a statistical standpoint, it was the job we did on the glass. You know, the last time we were at Scotia bank center, you know, we got out rebounded, I think by 22, which was just as unacceptable. And you're not going to win many games like that. So, you know, for us to out rebound them by whatever it was four or five last night, that's a huge swing from one game to the next. 
So, I mean, that, that was to me, and that's also, you know, having that aggressive physical mentality, you know, on, on, on the glass and rebounding the ball. So those are my two biggest takeaways last night. And, uh, you know, the game certainly had a bit of a, of a playoff feel, you know, there's, there's no doubt about it, but that's what every team is preparing for right now. You know, that's what every team is getting ready for. You know, the playoffs are here, you know, next week uh, is when it all starts and, and every, every game, every quarter, every minute really matters. So I was just happy that we played with that competitive edge. Well, you've used the term edge a couple of times, and, you know, you talked about uh, the the physicality and, and the matchup with Halifax, and my broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, and I, you know, we've had uh, the pleasure to call uh, a couple of your games this year at the Coliseum against the Halifax Hurricanes, and, and each game we've commented how tough these two teams play one another, how really even these two teams are, and just how intense the matchup is, but it's always been an intensity with a certain amount of mutual respect. And we see the teams battle hard, battle hard, battle hard. But then at the end of the game, you know, the coaches shake hands, the players shake hands and, and it's kind of a, Hey, okay, you know what? Let's, let's get together and do it again. But something, and maybe it is because it's getting close to playoff time, something a little bit different uh, at the end of last night's game Maybe it's a carryover of that edge and, and getting closer to the playoffs. But there seem to be uh, some comments via social media uh, and, and about a situation at the end of the game where maybe not everybody uh, shook hands at the end of the game. Uh, maybe from your perspective, Coach, uh, what happened there? Yeah, and I, I don't I don't look at it as a, as a situation. I think, I think social media makes it a, a situation. I think a lot of times – you know, fans, because they're so passionate and, uh, you know, they're talking about the game, they, they kind of make something bigger than, than what it was. Um, yeah, you know, some, some of our guys didn't shake hands, you know, after the game uh, with Halifax. And, and that really wasn't in a disrespectful manner. You know, we have a lot of respect for Halifax. I know you and Dave have, have commented on that. And I think Halifax, you know, has that mutual respect for us. Um, you know, there, there was a, a, an unsporting foul you know, called with about a minute left in that game or just under a minute left in that game, you know, where Terry Thomas uh, was going to the rim on a breakaway. And, um, you know, how the facts was called for a, a pretty, I mean, it was an unsportsmanlike foul, you know, and in, in, in some of our eyes, it was, you know, it was kind of a deliberate unsportsmanlike foul, uh, you know, on Terry Thomas, you know, who's just kind of one of our, he was one of our guys. Um, so it, things kind of got heated, you know, in the last minute of a game, it was, it was about an eight point game you know, when that happened and, and there were certainly uh, some heated moments that foul, that followed, you know, that unsportsmanlike foul uh, by Halifax. Um, so, you know, to be honest with you, uh, Terry was, was still, you know, pretty heated um, from that. And I had actually told Terry to just go to the locker room. You know, I, I, I told Terry, you know, to diffuse a potential further situation. And I think, you know, for me, we were proactively, um, trying to not let things escalate anymore. And a few of the other guys that were also, you know, emotions were running fairly high, uh, went to the locker room. You know, now myself, my coaching staff, four or five other guys, you know, went through the handshake line, but that's all that was. I mean, that was, that was nothing, you know, to uh, spat in the face of Halifax or it wasn't in a disrespectful manner. It was proactively trying to potentially diffuse what could have been more of an escalated situation. And in my mind, you know, that's what I think our, our league needs to do a little bit more of. 
Um, so again, you know, it, it certainly wasn't in a, in a disrespectful manner. I could see where some teams may have felt or some fans may have felt it was, it was of that nature. Uh, but in my mind, it was, it was definitely the right decision uh, for a few of our guys with, with the emotions running as they were. And with that coach, you know, I asked what the mood and, and kind of the, the temperature of the room was before the game going out. Once all of that was uh, taken care of and, and everyone now back in the room, you know, when you had a chance to talk to the team post game, what was the mood and, and what was the kind of the feeling in the dressing room? How, I guess, did you get a sense from the team that they felt that this was an important win? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, we were, we were very happy with the win. I mean, like I said, anytime you can beat Halifax at, at Scotia Bank Center, you're obviously going to be going to be pleased with the win. You know, so the mood in the locker room, uh, it was good. I mean, it was it was a happy locker room that, that we got a win. We felt like we needed to to win. Uh, you know, like I said, there was no there was no other further discussion about, you know, the end of the game or or the handshake line. And that's where I'm I'm kind of saying it wasn't a situation. Um you know, we, we were happy with the road win. You know, that's a that's a, a good win against a very tough team. Um, and, it, and it helped put ourselves in a, a better position to host, you know, in the first round of the playoffs. And then that's all that's on our mind right now is getting that two seed and, and then preparing for whatever opponent we may see. Well, you mentioned that two seed. Uh, a big uh, swing in the last couple of days, uh, the St. John Riptide. In, in a manner, doing the Moncton Magic a favor by defeating the Island Storm, the team that's right behind you in the standings. And, of course, you getting the big win last night. You've created now a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of separation from the Island Storm. Uh, you're two games ahead of them in the loss column. You guys are 22-16 and 16 with two left. Uh, the Island Storm, 19-18 and 18 with three left. And the St. John Riptide, 18-19 and 19 with three left. So, again, a little bit of breathing space for you, but that brings us to two very big games coming up this week against one of those teams that's right behind you, and they could certainly throw a wrench into the plans if they were able to get two wins, the St. John Riptide. And it's been labeled as the Battle of the 506. I know the mayor of St. John has gotten involved, and companies in St. John have gotten involved getting tickets for the home game at St. John tomorrow night. And the Moncton Magic have done the exact same thing. They've stepped up. The mayor has gotten involved. Companies have stepped up and bought tickets. And there's a real, you talked about a playoff atmosphere with the game last night. There's a real kind of playoff atmosphere with this battle of the 506 shaping up. What's going to be a key, Coach, for the next couple of games for you to get two important wins and to solidify that second position? What are you going to need to do against St. John? on the road in St. John, and then back home in Moncton on Saturday? Well, I, I think it, it, we have to start with a, with a really good film session today, you know, on, on St. John. Um, they're, they're, St. John is, is a – I wouldn't say they're an, an underrated team. I mean, because, you know, teams know what, what they can do. I, they're, they're a very good team, um, and they've made some nice additions, and they have some nice size up front now with, with, with good guard play, you know, with Wormley and, and Malcolm Miller and – um, you know, for us, they, they run a lot of good stuff and they're actually pretty disciplined in the half court. You know, they, they play with great spacing. They have some shooters. They have some guys that could score on the inside. So, you know, for us, the first step is really kind of getting the game plan and, and, and what we want to do against that team uh, in place. And, and that will really happen kind of this afternoon and probably, you know, maybe a meeting tomorrow. Um, but I think, I think for the Magic, it's continuing to play with that same aggressive mentality. 
um, when we do that, you know, we're making other teams uncomfortable and, and we're defending, you know, hard and we have five guys you know, all playing at that same level. Uh, you know, we can, we can create some havoc for some teams. So, you know, we haven't won at Harbor station yet this season, you know, which, which is another, you know, something else that's kind of on our mind. And St. John's been a tough matchup for us. They, they really have. So, um, we just want to kind of get our game plan in place and then go in there tomorrow and just focus on what we have to do to, to win and, and win in that building. Um, and, you know, and then kind of, kind of see how it goes, obviously make some adjustments on Friday, you know, from, from that first game and, and then try to take care of business uh, at home on, on Saturday. And, you know, coach, you talked about going into St. John and you haven't won at Harbor station this yet this year, but as you were saying that, I don't know how this popped into my head, but it did. When you're looking at preparing for a team, obviously you've got to work on your guys and go through your run and film sessions. But when you're playing Halifax, you know, they've got head coach Mike Leslie, who has his style and, and his personality and his way. And then St. John, of course, you've got coach Nelson Taroba, who's got a different style in his way. How much of your game prep and your preparation is looking at the coach that you're coaching against you know, obviously you need to look at the team and the players and the individual matchups, but when you're going up against a Halifax and it's a Mike Leslie, you're going up against a St. John and it's, it's coach Taroba. How much of your game prep comes down to looking at the coaches that you're going to be coaching against? Uh, not a lot, not, not a lot of the, the, the game prep. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, what a, what a team does on the court, you know, is kind of a reflection of, of their coach, you know, for the most part. And, and uh, you know, with a guy like Mike, you know, I may try to anticipate because I know Mike so well, I may try to anticipate, you know, some moves he may make in the game or, or some substitution patterns he may make, um, you know, but, but other than that, it, it's not really so much the coach. I mean, you're, you're really kind of more planning on, on what that team is doing, um, you know, what they're doing offensively, et cetera. So, you know, I, it's an interesting question, Scott. I mean, I don't, you don't really game plan a lot for the coach. You may, you know, me know some of his, his tendencies, you know, you may think, you know, if, it, if the, the score gets to this point, uh, you know, the coach may go to this substitution or he may, you know, try to do more of this offensive, but you're more making adjustments kind of on the fly in, in the game. So I don't think preparing for, for a coach is, is, a, is a real big part of the, the pregame process. I just like to throw out a question every now and then that we didn't discuss, and that I'm just I'm just gonna see if I'm just gonna see what, if you can wing an answer. That was good job. That was well done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, I, you know it, it is an interesting question though because coaches have you know their tendencies, they have their their styles, um, you know they have patterns and habits and, and all those type things. So. I think the more you coach against a, a certain individual or another coach, obviously the more familiar you're going to get with them. You know, this is Coach Roba's first year uh, in the league, and he's done a great job. And, you know, he comes from uh, a, a D-League background as an assistant coach or the NBA G-League. And, uh, you know, and you can see that. I mean, he runs a lot of NBA-style offense. You know, obviously things that, you know, he picked up during his time with, with his previous teams in the D-League. So, um, yeah, it, it's an interesting, interesting question, though, for sure. Well, I, I'm sure that there's somebody working on analytics somewhere that could probably break down and say, you know, this coach in this situation with the score being this, they're probably going to do this. So we mentioned the Battle of the 506, and it's been really neat 
to see it unfold, Coach. You know, I mentioned the mayor of St. John getting involved, and Mayor Don Arnold from uh, the city of Moncton, she's gotten involved as well. The team uh, was invited, and, and Anthony Cox became mayor for a short time. How frightening was that, Coach, to see Anthony Cox installed as the mayor, even though it was for a short time? Oh, scarier than you can imagine. I mean, you know, if we actually had guys commenting at, at that time as, as Anthony was sitting at the, the mayor's desk, you know, wearing the traditional robe, you know, from the mayor. And, uh, you know, I think I forget who it was. It might have been Jay Khalees saying, out of all the guys in this room, you picked that guy. You know, you picked Anthony Cox. And we, we had a we had a good laugh out of it. Um, but it was great. It was, it was, it was really nice of Mayor Arnold to – kind of invite us in and, and uh, we got to see her office and, and chat with her for a little while. And, and, you know, we talked about the, the five Oh six kind of rivalry that's going on here. And we kind of kicked around some ideas and you know, it was a cool experience. You know, I think a lot of the guys on our team, you know, maybe they've never been into the mayor of a city's office and um, it was, uh, it was fun. It was great. We were there for probably 45 minutes, just kind of, kind of hanging out and chatting. And, um, you know, we certainly appreciate the support that, that Mayor Arnold uh, is giving us, and um, certainly the rest of the local businesses that have, that have stepped up here in, in Moncton, you know, purchasing tickets for our final regular season home game. And you know, I think that's great. I, I think it's, it's just so great when you see communities kind of rally around, you know, their home team. And, um, you know, it certainly gives the, the guys a sense of pride and uh, knowing that the community is supporting them. And so it's exciting. It's certainly an exciting couple games coming up here uh, tomorrow. And, in Saturday that should have some great crowds. It should be fun. And if you have a chance, when you have a minute, there's a picture in particular that was taken of, of mayor Cox, Anthony with, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was scissors or a gavel, something he's holding up with the robes, but what caught my eye, zoom the picture out and focus in on the look on Mitch Rowley's face. Yeah, yeah, isn't that funny? I know exactly the picture you're talking about, and you know, Mitch is a Mitch is a, a pretty uh, he's a pretty level-headed guy. You know, he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. So if, if he looked concerned, you know, I think I think the rest of us should should look concerned. <laughs> it's just I saw the picture, and for whatever, maybe it's just for so long. I even when I'm watching a, a game on TV, sometimes I'm looking at the crowd and to see the crowd reaction as much as I'm watching the game. And I saw Mitch in the corner, I was like, and I I expanded the picture out so the basically mitch was feeling the and the look on his face honestly if you listen to this, go to the moncton magic twitter feed and, and find that picture of anthony in the mayor's garb but then again look to the right corner and zoom in and check out mitch and the other cool thing is coach uh mayor arnold actually reached out to her on twitter uh she said she wouldn't miss the game for the world so she's planning on being at the game at the Coliseum on Saturday night, and uh, we're going to see if actually we can get her on the broadcast for a minute or two to to talk about her support of the Magic. So that should be fun as well. No, that'd be great. Yeah, and she actually also made a, a wager to, to the guys. You know, she said uh, if we picked up both wins uh, against the Riptide this week, both on Thursday and Saturday, that she would uh, she would take us all out to dinner. So um, little. You know, a little, little something extra there uh, for the guys. But uh, like I said, she's been great, and, and I think she'd be, uh, she'd be great if she'd come on the, uh, the broadcast there Saturday. Now, I'm sure if you have a say in that, uh, if you guys get the wins and Mayor Arnold takes you out for dinner, I'm guessing you're going to want to go Italian and get lasagna, Coach? I don't know about lasagna, but Italian I, I, could, definitely, I could definitely deal with. I've actually I've 
recently I've gone to um, uh, a spot here in Moncton called uh, Gusto's, which uh, I've, I've really enjoyed. It's a uh, it's a great Italian restaurant. It has a, a great atmosphere, and uh, that would that would probably get my vote. Uh, should we pick up a couple wins here this week? I'll have to, uh, when I send out the archive link of this podcast, I'll have to see if Gustos has a Twitter account, and I'll, I'll tag him in and see if I can get you, you know, a, a free beverage there when, when you visit. <laughs> Sounds so, great. One of the really cool things about the age of social media is being able to follow the team, but certainly some of the players as well. And you, you kind of get a, a little bit of insight as to kind of who they are away from the court. And I find it very interesting that Corey Almond has embraced yoga and he's kind of almost giving yoga some credit for helping him get into an even better, more positive mindset. And all of a sudden he's tweeting and sending out messages about how great yoga is for him. And then he goes into Halifax and he lights them up for 30 plus. Is this a whole team thing, coach, or is this more of a a Corey thing? No, it's quite a few of the guys on the, on the team. Actually, uh, uh, Movi Yoga, we, we kind of have a, a relationship with. We, we've established a relationship with them, um, you know, with, with our team. And uh, quite a few of the guys are, are, are regulars. I mean, they, they will really go. And, and um, you know, a lot of them see an awful lot of, a lot of benefits from it. You know, a couple of the guys, they're, they're, they're not into it. They're not really – they never have been. And, uh, you know, Al Stewart is a guy who, who, is, who is not a yoga guy. He is not a fan of, of yoga – uh, at all, and I'm, I'm sure he could he could give you an earful about it. But uh, Corey's been going re- religiously, and um, you know, I mean, he was talking. I was talking to him on the bus after the game last night, you know, and, and I'm sure that was the first place he was going going this morning. So, um, you know, it's it's a it's a great relationship with with Moby Yoga, and, and the guys are taking advantage of it. And and yeah, Corey, I mean, Corey needs to go into to promotional marketing or advertising. Mean, he's doing a heck of a job kind of putting the word out there for, for Moby. I think they need to look at getting him on the payroll or, uh, uh, you know, but, uh, no, it, it's been, it's been great for Corey. And, and I know, uh, he'll continue to, to go and kind of take advantage of that relationship. I'm just wondering if, uh, yoga would be a benefit to, uh, the broadcast team of Dave Tingley, the Tin man and uh, myself. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but you know what? I, I, I'd be very interested to get Dave Tingley's insight on yoga. Or, or hear about his yoga experiences. I, I think that would be uh, that would be entertainment in itself for a couple of minutes. So maybe you should bring that up uh, on Saturday night. I was going to say, I think at some point Saturday I might have to, and I don't even know if I'll, I'll let him know it's coming. I might just drop it on him mid-break between quarters. So Dave, uh, any downward-facing dog lately? We'll see where he goes. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll take it a few places. That'd be, that'd be great. So let's wrap it up uh, as we like to do, and and uh, a lot of times see it each po- I say it each podcast, but we like to take it maybe another direction outside of basketball. But this time of year, our non Moncton Magic conversation, it's hard not to keep it with basketball because it's March Madness, and now we're down to the Final Four, and we reference the very friendly Moncton Magic uh, pool that had been going on, and I was doing good. I was I had come up, I had snaked my way to the leaderboard. I was in first place. I was looking pretty good. And then Duke had to rim out a shot at the end of regulation and then lost in overtime and my journey was done. However, not so much for you, coach. 
Yeah, no, I'm 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 still hanging in there. What a what a great game that was too, by the way. The the Kansas Duke game was was tremendous. It may be the, the best game of the tournament, uh, in my opinion, in, in the style it was played and and uh but no, yeah, Scott, you 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 had, you were you were in the lead. I mean you had taken a, a, a pretty not commanding, but but a but a pretty decent lead. I think uh Johnny Gonzalez, our, our head physiotherapist, I think he was closely behind you in second. Uh, and then Kent Wallace, actually our director of game day ops. I think he's probably listening to this podcast back in the office. Uh, he also had made his way up the leaderboard and, and, um, you know, both you guys went, went down swinging with, with the Dukies. So, um, but no, right now I'm, I'm still kind of in the running. I think it's come down to, uh, myself and, and John, uh, Gonzalez and, and actually my wife, uh, Darcy, she's, uh, she's also in the running here in these, these final three spots. I think the people that saw the opportunity to, uh, potentially win the pool now there's three people as you mentioned that have a shot to win the salernos have a 66.6 percent chance now it's great that there's two-thirds chance that the top dog or top prize so to speak will go to the salerno household but as we now get down to the end has a little bit of competition arose between yourself and your lovely wife not, not yet. And, and believe me, she is, she is a competitive person as well. But it's interesting that the way it kind of breaks down is, is both my wife and I, we both have uh, Villanova going to the national championship game. Now, I have Villanova winning the national championship game, which in our pool is a 32-point win. So it's a big deal. Um, Darcy had North Carolina uh, winning the whole thing. So those 32 points on the table, she she can't get. So we'll both be rooting for Villanova on a, on Saturday nights, where I think Johnny G, uh, John Gonzalez, you know, he has Kansas. Um, he'll be uh, he'll be certainly rooting for the Jayhawks. Now, if if Villanova wins that game and they go to the national championship, I will win the pool with a Villanova win. My wife would win the pool with a either Loyola uh, Chicago win or Michigan. So I, I think Monday night uh, potentially could be where tension is, is a little high in the Salerno living room, uh, but it should be a, a good time. Oh, my, to be a fly on the wall potentially for that championship <laughs> game. And you you know, she, yeah, she, she, she beat me uh, in, this, in this bracket challenge last year. Like she, she knows her stuff, you know, she's been around the game. She certainly seems to know it more than me, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, she's, uh, she, she's, she's pretty good at the NCAA challenges. Well, that'll, that'll be fun to see how that one unfolds. And, you know, you mentioned Loyola Chicago. I mean, every year it seems that there's, you know, that the term used is there's this Cinderella team. But by all accounts, this Loyola Chicago team shouldn't really be surprising anybody you know, a basketball guy like yourself, Coach, strictly from a fan's perspective, you know, what do you see when you watch this Loyola Chicago team who with Sister Jean and everything else that's going on has kind of taken the basketball world by storm and everybody loves them now, but what do you see when you watch them? Oh, I mean, I, I, you see a few different things. You know, to, to me, number one, um, they genuinely believe they, they can beat anybody. And, you know, you hear Coach Porter's comments after the games and, you know, he talks a lot about that, how, how all the players on his team believe in themselves and, and they believe that they're good enough to, to win these games. Um, so I think them playing with this, this air of self-confidence 
has, has been huge for them uh, as they've kind of taken down some, some giants here in the NCAA. From the basketball standpoint, you know, I see five to, to eight, nine guys, whatever the rotation may be, that, that truly understand how to play the game. They are extremely well coached. Um, they are extremely unselfish. You know, they, they really play the game the right way. And, I mean, I know, you know, myself and a lot of the players on the Magic, you know, we've talked about Loyola quite a bit. And, and uh, you know, there's, we've all said there's no reason that they can't win this national championship because the, the style in which they play, you know, how well they play the game, how disciplined they are, that makes up for maybe their lack of size or their lack of athleticism. Um, so it's just really impressive. I, I haven't missed the Loyola Chicago game yet. Um, even the ones where I've, I've, you know, been busy with practice or film, I've, I've recorded and, and watched them after. And they're just a really, really fun basketball team to, to watch play. They're, they're a great team. I, I really can't, can't stress enough, uh, you know, what a great job, you know, the coach has done and, and, um, they, they just got a, a quality team. Well, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun uh, watching the Final Four. Lots of really neat storylines. Uh, the uh, sister Jean in, in Loyola, Chicago, certainly is, is amongst the big ones. Well, Coach, uh, we'll wrap it up there. And, uh, again, we appreciate your time very much. I want to remind fans that uh, the Moncton Magic will be playing the St. John Riptide at Harbor Station tomorrow night. Every time the Moncton Magic play, whether it's at home or on the road, you can watch it online by going to Moncton Magic. Coach, thanks again for your time, and uh, good luck tomorrow night. We'll see you on Saturday, and good luck in the Final Four as well. Again, I'm I'm curious to see how this Salerno rivalry potentially plays out. <laughs> so am I. Listen, I appreciate it again, Scott, and we'll, uh, we'll see you on Saturday night. All right, take care, Coach, and uh, safe travels down to St. John. Okay, we'll see you. Okay, bye-bye. That's Coach Joe Salerno from the Moncton Magic. They've got two games left in the regular season. They've got tomorrow night on the road at Harbor Station, taking on the St. John Riptide, that game at 7 p.m. Again, you can visit the Moncton Magic website, www.monktonmagic.ca, for the link to the live stream. And then the final regular season game, and it is also their home finale in the regular season, takes place on Saturday night at the Moncton Coliseum. My broadcast partner, Dave Tingley, and I will have the action for you on Moncton Magic TV, again, through the Moncton Magic website. 7 p.m. tip-off on Saturday night, the Battle of the 506. And again, let's get out and let's fill the Coliseum and show that we believe in Moncton. Until next time, friends, I'm Scott Squires. Appreciate you listening very much. And you can always visit the Magic Time podcast on the archive. Until next time, remember, if you can't take part in sport, be a good one anyway. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media.